0: Listeners, welcome back to 444 Westminster, a podcast about planning and development in the city of Providence that aims to give you, our listener, a better understanding of topics related to planning a city. Whether you're listening from Providence or elsewhere, we are glad that you're here. Today, I'm pivoting away from our typical fair a a bit for a special episode that I'm referring to as our Spotlight Series. Um, During the series, we will focus on a city department outside of city planning but that still has incredibly important ties to planning. But before we get to our guest, we must get through my weekly dad joke. My name is Tim Rondo and I am Providence City Planning's Director of Communications and External Affairs and swapping out my contact lenses for glasses every spring to accommodate my pollen allergies and letting my inner Clark Kent emerge alongside all of the trees and flowers. Um, (laughs) This is our fifth episode, and as I mentioned, today is a special one. Today's Spotlight episode will focus on the important work of a Providence City department rather than a specific topic or concept. Today's highlighted department creates and delivers programming and policy that positively impacts the lives of our city's residents emphasizing equity of resources and centering BIPOC community members in these conversations. And with that, today I am joined by an incredibly talented woman um, who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the past year. She is the Healthy Communities Office Director for the City of Providence. Um, She joined the Healthy Communities Office in April of 2021 Her public health interests include combating health equity issues, addressing substance use disorder within the BIPOC community, and maternal health. Prior to joining the Healthy Communities Office, she worked at a local community development corporation where her primary focus was expanding the impact of the Central Providence Health Equity Zone and other community building efforts aimed at eliminating barriers set by social determinants of health. A Massachusetts native, she previously served many roles that focused on addressing homelessness and substance use disorder in the city of Boston. She holds a master's in public health from St. George's University in Grenada, West Indies, and a bachelor's in health policy and management from Providence College. She is of Haitian descent and deeply values the opportunity to support families from the Caribbean. She is fluent in Haitian Creole a big 444 welcome to Lori Moise Sears. Lori, you're here.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) First and foremost, congrats on your wedding. Uh, (sighs) I'm pulling you into this podcast, not even a few days back from your trip. So I'm super grateful. Congrats. I hope it was wonderful. Did you have a great time?
1: Oh, absolutely. It was magical. Um, awesome. Young girls always dream. Well, I think young girls always dream about the perfect wedding. And I think I had the perfect wedding. Uh, non-biased opinion.
0: You and I, we have so much in common. I feel we started on the same day at the city. I remember just coming to you with like a few questions. I was like, Hey, do you know about this yet? And you were like, no. So we should find out. Um, so we <laughs> we had that instant bond. We both went to PC We both have birthdays in February that we still haven't celebrated together yet, (laughs) um, which is a tragedy, (laughs) but we're here now.
1: We are. We are. And thank you for having me again. Of
0: course. Um, So before we get into your work, uh, I would love to ask you some questions so that our listeners can get to know you a bit better. Um, Although this is a special episode, you are unfortunately not exempt from my silly game. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) here we go Um, your favorite spot to visit in Providence excluding the pedestrian bridge because it's been mentioned a few times
1: oh man let me think as a PC grad I really do enjoy stopping by campus Um, it took me about 10 years to go back and visit (laughs) however (laughs) with the new renovations and seeing just the liveliness of the students. I I do enjoy going back when I can.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a completely different place from when I, from when I attended from 2004 to 2008, like they've done so many renovations um, and and, um, construction over there that mostly for the better, I think, but um, yeah. Awesome. Great answer. Great answer. Um, Which actor or actress would you want to play you in the movie about your life?
1: Oh, Viola Davis. Come on. That's amazing
0: answer. I, you know what's funny is that when I when I just um put that uh as one of your questions, I was like, I hope she says Viola Davis because not only is Viola an incredible actress, but she's from Central Falls. Yeah. And back to Rhode Island is important for us.
1: Oh my um, goodness, she's amazing. I know I said Viola quickly, but reason being she's she's a good crier and I am too. So that. I feel like she would portray me in any event
0: very well. She just brings gravitas to everything she does. Anything she says, she could, she could literally tell me a joke. And I'd be like, that is the greatest joke I've ever heard in my life. Also, Teresa Agonia, uh, the mayor's chief of external affairs was just in a Apple TV episode about Viola Davis and her impact on um, people. And it was wonderful. Mayor Deosa was on there as well. It was really, it was fantastic. You know,
1: Um, fun fact. Yeah, uh, Viola Davis was my commencement speaker at Providence College, okay, and so. she was, uh, first of all, phenomenal. Secondly, um, if my memory serves me correct, she was the first black woman to address the class of uh, is- any class at PC. I feel like
0: mine was not that good. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> jealous. I don't even remember who mine was. I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember anyone being excited about mine. So yes. maybe mine was just like an off year or something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Viola all the way.
0: I like it. Um, what is something that you learned about yourself during the pandemic? <sighs>
1: um, Wow. I learned that I enjoy travel more than I ever thought I did.
0: Good one. Um,
1: You know, not being able to just get on a plane or drive somewhere was very difficult for me. Right. And having a career in public health, we see and we learn about the health disparities um, amongst people of color like myself. Uh, But having it in your face every single day was very difficult. So not being able to travel and have that outlet was so hard. And yeah. so it allowed me to reflect a little bit. And, you know, I I learned about myself. You know, I've lived abroad. I've been able to travel to places that, you know, folks may not have had the opportunity to. So not being able to travel was really difficult.
0: That's a sure. great answer. Yeah. Um, quick question. Which month is the best month for birthdays? February. That's right. I don't know why Um, you asked. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, what's your coffee order? Black. Same. (laughs) Just one more thing we have in common.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) I love it. Um, All right. Now that we know you a bit better, uh, let's move on to the topic of today's pod, which is your shop, the Healthy Communities Office. Um, Let's just start with the basics. Um, What is the Healthy Communities Office and what's its mission?
1: Sure. So the HCO, like we like to call ourselves, (laughs) we're the city's lead agency for health policy, health promotion, um, and substance use disorder prevention. Um, We also work to ensure that Providence residents have equitable access to the resources they need to lead healthy lives.
0: On this podcast, we talk a lot about um, traditional infrastructure and I'm excited today to widen that scope and also consider non-traditional infrastructure, which which includes um, people infrastructure and really centering our thinking around the health and wellness of our people in Providence. Wondering if you can talk a little bit about people infrastructure and some of the programming that we have um, that is uh, accommodating to, to
1: folks. Absolutely. When I think of people infrastructure, I think of location-based and access, right? Health access, access to good food, healthy food, um, access to the supports that you need to live a healthy life. I mentioned, you know, access to healthcare is always been being an issue and being in our faces, if you will, during um, the the onset of of COVID. So I'd like to start there to talk a little bit about access to healthcare and please, yeah, that has historically been an issue dating back in history. Uh, people of color and those of low income, you know, have suffered from not having the um, appropriate access to healthcare. And that you can look at that in many different lenses. It could be location based, not having a clinic close enough. Not having a dentist close enough, it could be access to transportation um, to get to these facilities. It could also be access to the appropriate insurance and enough insurance. Um, Folks are, there are folks that are underinsured that don't have enough insurance to meet the health needs that they have, right? Um, So I think it's important to note uh, physical landscape as an infrastructure need, having things close enough um, in a in perfect world, things would be walkable for everyone. So when we're looking at access to healthcare, we can look at it that way. Um, access to healthy food and culturally appropriate food as well is huge on the infrastructure move. Um, you know, Providence did a great job in addressing food distribution during COVID-19, but there's definitely more that needs to be done. Uh, right now, uh, programming for summer is kicking up. Um, In June, uh, we have summer meals that are going to be starting. I I can't pinpoint the date, but soon. Um, And anyone under the age of 19 um, can pick up food within 30 different meal sites across the city. If you visit eatplaylearnpvd.com, you'll learn a lot more about those locations where you can access that. And also summer programming um, for our kids, Uh, To receive the meals, you know, as schools are closed, we want to make sure that folks are nourished um, and nourished well uh, so they can can be healthy over the summer. HCO has also uh, proposed funding through the city's um, American Rescue Plan budget Mm. to address some of this food infrastructure need. Um, The goal is to have a plan created for emergency uh, food distribution and storage across the city um so in the hopefully unlikely event that we have another shutdown we'll be able to address food um distribution quickly you know uh in 2020 between june and september uh we were able to distribute over a million meals
0: that's so so important um food insecurity is one of those things that i feel like a, a lot of people suffer silently um with mm-hmm. food insecurity also um you know i know HCO does a lot with um, substance use disorder programming. Um, Wondering if you could talk about that a little bit as well.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, I can say the same for mental health supports in terms of infrastructure location. The time that we are in right now, we are seeing such an increase in mental health need. We've had a tremendous amount of drug overdoses in our city and across the nation. We've also seen an influx of young adults reporting depression, suicidal thoughts. This I believe is the direct impact of COVID-19 and having to see so much loss within our community and being able to address it in a healthy manner um, wasn't easy for individuals throughout the pandemic, right? Offices were closed. Um, Doctors offices were all virtual, not being able to address the mental health concerns on the onset was very difficult. So we're seeing that now, and having mental health support access is huge right now. So we're working on a few projects um, that address this, including um, substance use disorder outreach services in the mm-hmm. community. We are working with local partners to address many of the uh, mental health need in our communities. We actually host a virtual. Um, mental health support group, if you will, called Safe Space um, um, online for um, African-American individuals um, that would like to join, are free to do so. It's all on Facebook. Amazing. (laughs) Find that information there. For sure. Um,
0: So we just talked about healthcare accessibility. We know that the United States has an exceptionally high rate of maternal deaths and that this problem is especially prevalent in communities of color. Um I want I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about um the doula's program.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um and to your point, we're always looking at ways to increase access to basic health needs. Yeah. Um access to all levels of healthcare is important. Um but we have a, we as a city, you know, one thing that we're super passionate about is the uh doula services that are necessary. Um, doulas are, uh, individuals who support mothers, those who are pregnant, um, during and after pregnancy, um, education support for, uh, doctor's visits. Um, they are actually in the room with you when you are, um, delivering your child to lend that support and advocate for you, which we know is huge in the healthcare system for women of color, like myself, mm. you mentioned, uh, the disparity in maternal health and, um, We are partnering with local agencies to increase access um, to services, primarily for women of color. Um, We're more than three times um, likely to die due to pregnancy complications. Um, So we are working closely with local doulas um, to provide free and or um, reduced cost care. You know, we are looking to increase this access as of July 1 of 2022 um individuals can yes absolutely Um, (laughs) individuals can actually apply doula services to their health insurance amazing that's huge um, absolutely huge and um providence you know the city of providence our mayor has definitely been a shepherd for this work and we're grateful that that is um another avenue for folks because out-of-pocket costs as you know doesn't fit everyone and the folks who need it the most. Um, most of the time could not afford it. So being able to apply this to um, health insurance will be huge. We'll definitely have some hills to climb. However, it does open up some access for folks.
0: Well, congratulations on that achievement. That's huge. Um, uh, You know, Obviously, we've been talking about COVID a little bit throughout. Um, The world has changed so significantly since March of 2020. Um, I know you and I started um, in 2021, but I also know that this has been your lifelong work. Uh, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about meeting those accessibility needs during a pandemic and what your hurdles were. um, And even um, I know that you had some part in, in vaccine and test distribution. So maybe touch on that as well.
1: Absolutely. I'll start by saying it was difficult. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, direct service, not being able to approach individuals one-on-one. In the public health sphere, you're connecting those who are of lowest income, highest disparity. Most cases may not have access to computers, yeah. um, telephones at times, right? So having to pivot Um, During a time where we were told we couldn't be around people was very difficult
0: during a time (laughs) when everyone was saying, you know, everything needs to be virtual now. Well, that's fine for those who have access to equipment that allows them to be virtual. But what about the rest of the folks?
1: Exactly. We were put at a huge deficit. That digital divide that we talk about Mm. is ginormous. (laughs) If I may, I can't find the best word for it, but (laughs) it's huge. And we found that the folks we needed to reach the most were the hardest to reach. Um, But in terms of meeting those needs and, and, you know, in 2020, you know, in March of 2020, the world changed and most of us, you know, To your point, we read about pandemics. (laughs) I've read about pandemics, you know, in schooling, um, but I never thought I would actually live through one,
0: Right. Um, which I'm
1: so blessed to say that, you know, we're at this point. But the onset revealed so much of what we already knew, right? Health disparities exist and the individuals of color and those of which um, are of low income are suffering the most. Within HCO, immediately the need was food. So, I, I know I mentioned previously between June and September of 2020, we were able to collectively deliver about a million meals um, in conjunction with large institutions and colleges within um, Providence to address this food support. And, you know, the Providence Emergency Management Agency and the Mayor's Center for City Services in conjunction with HCO were able to share information about um, testing sites, um, lead testing sites, um, and we're actually still um, trucking along and folks who are interested in um, receiving at-home test sites can call 311 if you're in Providence and you can pick up and or if you're within an organization, we can drop off um, at home testing sites, which is huge advancement thinking about where we were in March of 2020. And now being able to test from home and keep mm. your neighbor safe is just, I mean, thank you, science. <laughs> thank you, science. Absolutely.
0: And, and big shout out. I, I know you just, you just mentioned MCCS, which is mayor's center for city services, but, um, they are really doing, they're doing the work They're They're on the front lines. Um, they're, they're answering the phones. They're, they're just, they have to be well-versed in, in just a number of city issues and they, they all do it so well. So shout out to them. Final question. What is your proudest moments in starting with um, healthy communities?
1: Hmm. There are many moments. <laughs> of course. Um, but when I started, we had a staff of six full-time employees, which to lead public health efforts through a pandemic, in a large city like Providence was a huge feat. But as of Monday the 9th, we'll have 12 full-time staff and two part-time staff within the Human Services HCO department, which I never thought that would happen as quick as it did.
0: (laughs) So excited for you.
1: Um, But this increase will allow us to touch more lives um, in the city of Providence and address issues, right? All of the issues. Um, we'll be able to increase efforts for more uh, health education and health literacy work. Um, we'll be able to increase our capacity around food and senior services. Um, we have two staff that are 100% dedicated to mental health support and addressing mental health needs. Um, so within the year, seeing the office space not only fill up, because we're meeting in person now, Um, but also grow in terms of capacity and the ability to address needs within the community. is just amazing. Um, Right now we're working with all of the um, health safety net clinics throughout the city and the Rhode Island Public Health Institute to look at what our health looks like right now in this semi-COVID world. I say semi as, you know, Things look very different than it did in March of 2020, but looking at what the needs are within our community and being able to address it. Um, And I'm very proud to have a staff that's willing to be out in the community and do the work and learn and understand what the needs are so we can address it, you know? So having more staff to address these needs is is huge.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. You and of course your amazing team, you know, want to highlight them as well. You have such a vast portfolio of different things you're working on, like food and healthcare care and um, mental health, but also all of this under the lens of disparities um, with uh, accessibility and, and all of these different things. It's just such a wide variety of things that you all have to be experts on. You do it so well. So I'm so I'm so happy you're getting more support. Where can they find um, more information about all of this incredibly important work?
1: So you can find us on Facebook um, if you search Providence Healthy Communities. Um, We are going to be dedicating our space to sharing um, activities, um, sharing health education knowledge, um, sharing events and resources with the community, um, which I'm really looking forward to um, kick up a bit as we hire more staff um, to, to take that on. And I I do want one other plug (laughs) um, is we are um, ecstatic to say that soon we will be launching our behavioral health crisis um, program with the EMS and fire department in public safety, where we'll have trained clinical staff on the ground with our EMS and fire folks. But more importantly, within our 911 call center, you know, addressing emergencies begin right at that 911 call. And with so many calls, um, mental health focused, you know, it'll be important to grab folks on the phone right when they call and say, how can we help you? I'm a trained clinician. Let's talk through some of these issues. And that can potentially open doors to addressing mental health right over the phone. Um, and connecting folks to the resources they need right in their community. So I'm really excited about that too.
0: That's the dream, right? Providence Safe Stations, right? They're they're able to provide more reactive solution to those struggling with not only substance use disorders, um, but also mental health crises, um, to connect with treatment or recovery services, at Providence's fire stations, being able to make that call and have it, be received by the person who can best help the person on the other end of the phone is the dream. And um, that's so exciting. I'm so, I'm thrilled for you and I'm thrilled for Providence um, (laughs) for sure. What a good plug. (laughs) <laughs> um, well, Laurie, thank you again so much for joining me today. I hope I didn't gush too much and and um, and I'm just going to gush more. Um, but um, and also thanks to you, listener. We plan on uploading a new episode every other Thursday. So subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast to get new episodes delivered to your feed when they're posted. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Prov Planning and on Instagram at Providence Planning. Until next time. Thank you, Laurie.
1: Thank you.